Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 73 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. A little fun fact, Tess, did you know that I try to do that all in one breath? Why is that? I did not know that. Because if you listen back, which I know you don't, if you listen <laughs> back, you'll hear the times where I pause to breathe and it's a, at a weird time. Hmm. And I'm super sensitive to sound, um, super sensitive to voice, super sensitive to sound, which is why I want to start this episode by asking you if you'll consider something. Okay. I think we've outgrown our theme music. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell me more. Uh, I, I know you so well that even if I couldn't see your face, I know that you are not liking this idea at all. I just think it doesn't sound like us. Yeah, I would actually agree. Um, it wasn't even chosen by us. No, it wasn't. It was chosen by Hannah, who comes back from maternity leave tomorrow. So let's get excited. <laughs> yep. So I wondered if, I don't think Hannah would be offended if we changed our music, but what really represents a strength-based conversation podcast that weaves in generational differences? And I thought maybe a mix of your trendy hipster music and my like stones music like something that would be so contrast that it would clearly point to there is a generational difference here or what are they doing would be (laughs) what is happening because I think I think our music is very it's 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 definitely a little bit of a self-reflection of Hannah, right? Like it's almost like everyone starts to look like their dogs, you know? That happens or you know, it's like it's definitely very poppy or like upbeat music, which is so Hannah's positivity and woo. I agree. Uh, I think my hesitation is uh, has multiple prongs to it. Number one, my context is like now it has become associated right with our podcast. Um, so it's hard to unweave that, uh, um, from, from the podcast itself. It wouldn't be hard in actuality, right. In actually making it happen. But I think it would just be hard from the point or like the standpoint of now it's a little bit of a brand, you know, like, uh, or goes with Jen and Millie and it's recognizable with it. And so it would be odd to change it. I feel like there would have to be some sort of like intentional shift or, um, point in which we pivot to a new like we're gonna start talking a little bit of you know about something else or this is our hundredth episode so the next hundred you know something like that that's a little more of a concrete granted we're the only people that oversee this so we could literally make it change this episode and it wouldn't be you know but at least for my I don't know what it is about my strategic my context that's like it would have to be a certain point in time right second um Second thing would be I, people or podcasts have gotten in trouble a whole lot for using things know, that are licensed or, you know, so I wouldn't want to like, I can't take a stone song and make that our theme song because that's an infringement of license. Um, and, but I could probably find like some open licensed music clips and listen through some to see what might meet all of those miscellaneous requirements. 
Um, <laughs> or we could record something on our own. <laughs> so a couple of reasons that this came to my brain. Mm-hmm. When I listen back and I know the content, the music doesn't go with the content. Uh-huh. Yep. Also, I don't know that you've discovered this yet, but we have Anna created a Bitmoji learning library and she created a new Bitmoji for me that makes me look about 10 years to 20 years older than the Bitmoji that was created for me for Jen and Millie, which I I thought was quite (laughs) hilarious. Um, And I realized that maybe even the Bitmojis don't match up with this anymore. And I do believe that we represent strength-based dialogue and we represent generational differences, but we certainly have taken this podcast on a, well, we really never know the direction that we're going to go. We've (laughs) taken it on so many different directions Mm -hmm. that I don't know that it still fits with the original plan for what it was intended to do. I also like to believe that we're the only people who listen to this and (laughs) please don't tell me otherwise. Don't give me any stats. (laughs) Also, you should know that I shared, um, I have shared this with the Greenbush crew that I just did a a webinar with, um, with educators. So, and I've had a few people ask for where to find us. So I don't want to know how many people listen. So don't tell me because I share so many personal things here. But I remember Des Moines, um, my former boss and our former coworker saying to me, this is really good. What you guys are doing is really good. And I would kind of just, oh, you know, whatever. Uh And he said, no, (laughs) no, it's really good. He said, the things that you're talking about, they're meaningful conversations that anyone could listen in. And some of the conversations I think are question and answer kind of prompts that anyone can do. But we highlight strengths mm-hmm. and we highlight generational differences. So as you know, Tess, I am very much a habit of keeping things routine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, okay. I am owning that discipline is my number 14. I am owning it more and more now. But I think some things have happened for me during these times of social distancing and quiet reflection that have allowed me to open up to Mm -hmm. new possibilities that I would have never considered before. So the person who never wants to change the PowerPoint Mm -hmm. is now willing to change a lot of things, including our music and our, our brand. I love it. Okay. Let's do do it. I don't think you love it. I think that your context wants to think about it and I'd like to honor that. And I also would like to give, um, to use what I know works and really encourage our listeners to vote because Tess loves a vote. She also loves research and statistics that will back up a decision. So I would like for our reader, readers, listeners, listeners to chime in. Yeah, that's great. Do we change, do we change the music? Do we change the, the bitmoji? Or do we leave it the same because it's become a comfortable, safe space for you that you enjoy hearing dun, 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 that at the beginning? <laughs> um, because I'm willing, I'm willing to also listen to to the listeners yeah, and um, sure. take that direction. It's good. It's good. Oh man, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I I am. I have so many pros and cons about both. 
my natural gut inclination is to say, absolutely, let's wipe it and change it and make it more in alignment with us, right? My individualization, but my context strategic says, okay, here are the cons. Here's what I need to think through in order to make that happen. So that'll be interesting. Okay, that was your um, prompt of something you were going to throw at me. Okay. <laughs> yes, I love the surprise when... question I have for you. Okay, good. I was going to say, in the green room, I love when you just say, I'm going to ask you a question, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm not going to let your, in, or your intellection think Who through it. Who doesn't so. love a good surprise? I, okay. I think we've talked about this. Yeah. I, surprises, totally out of the blue, no. Uh, because I don't like, I need one of the cornerstones of context that took a while, wasn't an initial recognition of context, but after really digging into its essence, um, it allowed me to acknowledge this part of myself. I need time to orient myself to spaces, to places, and to events that are occurring. And so if I'm going to a new place that I haven't been to before or doing something new that I haven't done before, I will get there especially early in order to allow myself time to reorient to this new place or event that's happening, right? So, so surprises totally out of the blue, not so much anticipated surprises absolutely tell me something exciting is going to happen next month or on this date or like the surprise trip that I know we've talked about several times on different episodes and that is great because your level of well-being and happiness will increase if you have something to look forward to right it's all of the energy and the excitement behind hopefulness right having something to look forward to next thing Um, and that has been a very proven thing within literature to talk about anticipation of surprises or even anticipation of events that will be occurring so anyway the other thing I wanted to share with you and then we can totally go on course is that I have added a brain break to new mentor training to ask people to come up with a qualitative piece to match a quantitative piece so take one of our statistics from new mentor training and match it with a personal story Mm-hmm. So that you can take both the data and the heart and bring them together in the way that you explain mm-hmm. teammates. Now you can do that in a five to eight word elevator speech, or you can write it all out, but tie those two together as a trainer. Um, so I, I wanted to, to uh, mention that to you so that you knew that I am not only practicing the teamwork that I think we very naturally um represent and and use and practice but also encouraging other people to do the same thing with both within themselves and then thinking about complementary partners that's great so when you hear that new mentor training don't be surprised don't be surprised okay well people's dashboards will be up in their document um tab so they'll have plenty of stats to work with when we get to that point so Oh man. Okay. So one of the things that I wanted us to answer, uh, in a prompt that I wanted to share with listeners is something I saw on, I think it was like a Facebook group that somebody had posted, but it's a tweet. And I want to give credit to connect politic ditto is the name of the person that tweeted this. And they wrote, uh, my wife grew up thinking that having water slash ice dispensers in the fridge door was a life goal. I grew up thinking that if you had a basketball hoop with a clear slash plexiglass backboard, you were rich. What were some things that you thought were indicators of wealth when you were a kid? And I love that tweet because I I think it 
number one is a little bit of uh, our own family of origin and what that looked like, right? What kind of neighborhood we grew up in, what kind of community or a city or um, a town we grew up in. But also, I think it's such a generational thing as well that I just kind of laughed when I saw that and thought it would be interesting conversation. So I'd love to hear what you think. There are quite a few that come to mind for me. One in particular is um, a fancy dog. Huh. Like not just a dog, like certain breeds of dogs. Like a Maltese. Okay. Um, A brick house. Okay. Um, This is so, I mean, very, very (laughs) generational. Um, So Maltese, a brick house, jewelry, big, fancy jewelry. Um, And I can tell from a mile away whether something is legit jewelry or not. So, um, although I will say the game of being able to tell if a diamond is real or not has changed, but back in the day, (laughs) back in the day, I could tell. Um, So I would say dog, brick, house, and jewelry. jewelry. Nice jewelry. Big jewelry. Hmm. Wow. Um, interesting. Okay, so the thing that came to mind for me, and we talked a little bit in the green room about some of the things that first came to mind, being definitely from a place of growing up in, in privilege, and especially white privilege, but one of the things that I remember growing up as someone, I grew up kind of mid to lower, um, uh, mid cl- middle class, and um, like parents that worked a lot um, and worked really hard for what they were able to provide for us, but I remember thinking that like an indicator of wealth is when I looked at my friends and they were given not new cars but their own car when they were 16 like it was a gift on their 16th birthday they got their license and they got their own car and we definitely had cars for everyone to drive but it was like I got the hand-me-down minivan which you got to know me when I was still in my minivan phase um or like the you know there would be enough there would be like one maybe less car per driver and we'd shift around but like having your own designated car that you were gifted as your car like for me was this big thing and I was like I never was without a car to drive I often will have share it or drop my dad off at work and pick him up at the end of the day once I was done with activities or whatever it was like I didn't ever not have a vehicle which again is such a sign of like privilege right it's such a sign of um growing up in kind of more suburban life um but that I just remember like looking to my friends and my friends who got their own designated car um it couldn't have it could have been the worst car in the whole world but since it was theirs like for me that was like the epitome (laughs) I think, um, and we've talked about this on Jenna Millie before because I think we've shared pictures of it, but I had my I had my own car. Mm-hmm. I was the oldest, but I got my grandparents' car. Yeah, okay. So my car was not only someone else's, but it was very well known in the community already <laughs> as my grandparents' car. It had a reputation. So, right, all of a sudden now Allison's car is cruising main. And it was a four-door Dodge 600. I also thought of some things too that came to mind that stood out. Um, I was very fortunate to grow up the way that I did and we built a new home when I was um, four and a big brick house, five bedrooms, four baths. And my mom had an avocado green fridge 
and matching linoleum. So the linoleum in the kitchen was avocado green and she had matching uh, appliances, stove and fridge. Oh my goodness. And you know, that to me was like this status thing. Like you have a fridge that isn't, you know, a basic neutral color. Your, your fridge is fancy. The other thing that really stood out to me as to having was we had a flocked Christmas tree Hmm. that was, I mean, purchased by like, not a fake one, a real flocked Christmas tree. And it's funny that that I hadn't really even thought about that in a while because that was something that Mike did for me every year for Christmas Mm -hmm. because it was a a very special memory to me. Those are ridiculously expensive and a giant waste of money. So, (laughs) but even, you know, thinking about those kinds of things later on when the appliances, you know, like went to crap, Mm -hmm. we for a while had a new oven stove oven that was not the same color as the avocado and you know mom could just not stand that so then the avocado green fridge moved to the garage okay and we got a new fridge to match we also had a yellow telephone oh my goodness a bright yellow telephone um so even even simple things like that made me feel like Whoop, whoop. you know it's, and it's ridiculous that's as silly as avocado it gets green appliances. I love it I bet there are a lot of avocado green um, green refrigerators in the in the dump yeah. um, and coming back yeah. now like brightly colored kitchens are so coming back now so <laughs> um, okay so this question actually I didn't even think about it beforehand so here's my surprise question for you but um, or we don't necessarily have to answer it but I was in a great last week with a local nonprofit called In Common Community Development. Um, and I've worked with them a little bit through church and was just connected and I donated to, to them on Omaha Gives Day. And so they kind of had a meeting for like all sorts of almost like shareholders, like come learn about what we do a little more, you know? And so they were talking and, um, or at the beginning of this is kind of an introduction to see how everyone's affiliated and, and what sort of their, um, you know, why they have supported in common in the past. Uh, the question, because it's a community development um, a nonprofit, was what was one thing that was very formative about the community that you grew up in or the town that you grew up in? And I loved that question. And the amount of the, just the variance, and it was such a generational question as well. Like a lot of people talked about the fact that they could leave in the morning and come back at night and their parents wouldn't worry. They'd just go around and do their thing. Like even as like a middle schooler, an elementary school, or like being able to ride your bikes anywhere, you know, the the safety aspect and green spaces and things like that. And, um, and I shared a little bit about my school was a school that was, um, or our, our local like public school system was super supportive of the arts, um, of theater and of music. And I think like even when I was in high school, um, I could look at other districts and it wasn't the same, like funding was being cut from the arts, um, uh, it was cut from theater and so much more money was being funneled into athletics and I never felt like there was a major disparity between funding for athletics and funding for the arts at my school. So I talked a lot about how everyone was kind of interconnected by being an athlete and being a musician or and being in theater, all these sorts of things, which was, I think, really unique and formative for me, knowing that it's important to tap into different centers of your brain and utilize different talents that you have. 
which is kind of neat, but it kind of made me think about it from this question. And I just love that question. What would you say? That's a great question. I like that a lot, especially, um, you know, we, we do a lot of intro questions or icebreaker questions, or how do we get to know you kind of questions when we gather people together, but that's such a great one. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like the one that, um, Krista Tippett uses on, on being, um, where she talks about, you know, what was, what was your faith like growing up? Mm -hmm. So I think that the formative thing for me about growing up in Exeter is how it was so based around athletics and there was such community pride in being an Exeter Eagle. And that was directly tied to athletics. Um, so, um, you know, just even thinking about the way that we presented ourselves as, you know, Eagle pride, it was so tied to athletics. And interestingly enough, Tess, right now, back home, there is a huge dialogue happening about consolidation. So they consolidated in 2000 with another community. So it became Exeter Milligan. And now there is a lot of talk of consolidating again. Hmm. And it's a very divided topic. And my first gut thought was, this is all going to be determined about sports. That was my first gut thought when I first heard about it. My, my immediate was, this has to do with sports somehow. Because that's how formative our learning was around athletics is everything growing up. But when you have, and I've told this story before, a class D1 school that wins the Boys and Girls State Basketball Championship in the same year. Yeah that will form your sense of being if you are 10 years, 11 years old and you are witnessing that happening. And then the whole community is decorated in a way that, I mean, if you go, if you drive through Exeter, there's reference to it. So Mm -hmm. that is a fascinating and really worthwhile question to ask people Mm -hmm. because it does not only speak to your community, but it speaks to your probably how you got to see your strengths in action for the first time. Absolutely. And your trajectory, right? We talk all the time, like what would have happened if you didn't have Mrs. Weber as your third grade teacher, right? Your woo was squashed everywhere else. And she was one of the first people to acknowledge and lift up and mentor kind of groove your woo into a really positive place. Whereas if it would have been just continually squashed your whole lifetime, Maybe it might not have popped up as high in your results. You might not have claimed it. You might not work with it as much because you would have built up so much bias against it that you rejected that entity of who you are. And so I think we think about this question kind of from an introspection place a lot about what are the things that um, kind of made you who you are about what you like about how you grew up or the family you grew up in. But what I love is this kind of takes it from the community aspect. Like what's the element of the surrounding community, kind of the whole concept of it takes a village, the whole concept we function under, right? Of like one caring adult can impact the life of a young person. Like thinking about what are those elements and what does our world look like now? What are we missing and how can we create those elements of community to help young people thrive and get in a really great trajectory for what might be to come in their or what might come later in their life and just the power of educators mm-hmm. you know, I mean do you with your classmates sit around and talk about your sixth grade science teacher or your first grade teacher or your I mean we have yeah. text dialogues now 
pages and pages of, you know, how Mr. Schaefer managed this study hall or how Mr. Sweetland would only give us so many seconds to take a drink at the water fountain. And we can all do, you know, impressions of that. My family and I talk about different educators, but what a strong influence those individuals have. And when I did this, um, the webinar for Greenbush, it was all educators and just to hear their takeaways about, gosh, what would happen if I focused on what was right with the student? Mm -hmm. What, what if I would pause and think this is the natural way that they see the world? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have the power to do that, but especially for young people, Mm -hmm. when we affirm and say, I see you, this is great about you. This is right about you. This is the best of you. It's really powerful. Uh, side note, I hadn't mentioned this to you, but I am only one sibling away from having everybody's, everybody in all of my family's strengths done. My brother Tom just took it over the weekend. And so I'm not going to get into the details about it, but it was really powerful. Really powerful. So exciting to see how, how we all grew up in the same house but have such different strengths <laughs> yeah. and different interpretations of things that happen. Yes. From that strengths lens. Oh, so true. So true. <laughs> I am oh learning gosh. a lot about that. Oh gosh. So any, uh, a side note. Any patterns? Anything that you, anything that you come, you think, oh, golly gee, words today. Anything that you think comes from more of a place of nurture than nature? maybe strategic. And I'm starting to think that we had time to think. Mm. Cause we we're on the farm. We were exploring. We were, we weren't really dialed down into gaming or TV yet. We were just completely coming up with solutions to the fact that we were three miles from town Yeah, and how could we, how we spent our days. We were also highly unsupervised. (laughs) So, I mean, we, we would just go and explore all around the farm and Tom was using his strategic in totally different ways than mine. My head was stuck in books Hmm. and his was out like figuring out how something worked or if he could take something apart and put it back together again, or if he, you know, shot the beauty gun this way or even Like he was the little kid who ate the dog food in our family because he was like, well, why not? Hmm. Have you ever tasted it? You know, he was just like, well, why haven't you? Have you ever tasted it? It's not bad. So those kinds of things that once you see someone for their strengths results, someone that you know and love and you've known your whole life, you just have this like, oh, yes, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. That makes sense. Yep, for sure. For sure. That's so good. I know. I always love talking about all of my siblings, all three of us. We do not share one strength with either of our parents. There are no common themes between our parents, between the two of them, and between their strengths and all of our strengths as are the three of us. But all three of us share adaptability. All three kids have adaptability. And it was definitely more of a nurtured strength in reaction out of my mom's number one discipline. She's discipline, 
high achiever. My dad had high consistency. So it was like the household was run in a really certain way. And none of us, I think, really appreciated it at the time. I appreciate it now. I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally understand now that I know their strengths. But um, it definitely resulted in all of us having really high adaptability. And I think it was much more of a, um, of a nurtured thing based on our environment rather than nature. Um, and so it is it is very interesting. And, and my brother and sister share high empathy and my brother and I share high strategic. And so it's kind of interesting to see some of the patterns um, uh, that kind of have resulted in it. So anyway. Well, and I think also, I mean, for me, I have both the biological and the adaptive. Yes. Yes. So Such I have a good actual study. DNA, nature, nature versus yes. nurture. Yep. And it's so fascinating for me to look at that. I was having a dialogue about this. Um, so I have been a natural caretaker my entire life, and I'm learning to not fight that, but actually to embrace it and not see it as something that's wrong about me. Like, Allison, you will always be a caretaker. Mm-hmm. It's just having... I'm now in a place where I get to prioritize taking care of myself, which I have not done very well um, previously. Mm -hmm. So I always will be a caretaker. It just comes very natural. But at age five, um, losing my dad and that trauma and my immediately needing to take care of my family and take care of my mom, I sometimes believe that biologically, I was predestined to know to do that because my family of um, biological origin is just a host of caretakers. Mm. But my my adoptive family is not necessarily as caretaking, but I innately knew to do it and I just stepped in and did it and then became the caretaker of all. Mm. That to me is both nature and nurture empathy that was built in but then activated. Yeah, then your context required it of you. Yep, for sure. I mean, Mm. just activated. So I think, do we have, do we, are we sitting around with our strengths biologically, naturally, until they get activated? And then if they're sharpened and used in a really positive way, Mm -hmm. oh gosh, do they become our superpower? (laughs) That's such a quandary. I think this is the existential debate of what's nature and what's nurture. And I think it's so hard because we don't, as much as I think your life is a little bit of a great case study of nature and nurture, we can never fully isolate in a vacuum, right? Like the whole hypothetical situation of taking Mrs. Weber out of your life, we don't know what that would have resulted in. I think you probably would have had less ownership of your woo, but I can't know that. It doesn't mean that woo wasn't in you, That, but maybe she honored it in a way, right? It might have been active in other ways but she honored it in a way that allowed you to live it out so let me throw a wrench into that for you the more I learn about Enneagram type 2 <laughs> yep. the more I wonder if I recognized early with Wu that I could perform mm-hmm. with dance and piano and being on the stage and that could be a way for me to be needed yep and wanted and a really really great external indicator of success that proved your worth for sure <laughs> oh, there we go just got to the deep end <laughs> for sure and i would say that that is a little different there are a lot of people that say your type comes explicitly out of your childhood wound so it is an event that occurs 
right? And that's where we spend our whole life trying to get to an integrated state where we're balancing our wings or balancing our like core features of our type because we're all, we're in the forever place of trying to heal from our childhood wound. And some people say like it occurs within the first five years of your life. Sometimes you don't even realize it or recognize it. And so, um, and so that's a little different, but that's not all Enneagram teachers. And I think, oh my gosh, human beings are so complex when we study them. Like there's no, I say even people in that sense are trying to put boxes around something you can't put boxes around. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And I mean, just think of how, think of how our, ourselves, our being has evolved since March. Hmm. I would say that I am 150 times more confident than I was since March. And it is because of having to step up into a place of unknown and not knowing how to do something and having to get good at something that I would have liked to have said, frankly, I don't want to, and I can't. When that was no, no longer an option for me to say, well, I'm just not good at technology. When that became no longer an option and I had to step into practice and I found, well, actually I can do this. Mm-hmm. It has served my, my inner self very, very well. It's kind of like running a race or preparing for a half marathon or like me, if you're preparing for a 14 or which have I lost my mind possibly. (laughs) Yes. But every time I get closer to the goal, Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I could probably do that. And when I get that done, I'm going to feel like I can do anything. Yes. It's exactly the same way I felt about doing a new mentor training online or doing a webinar via zoom where I put people in breakout rooms Tess, I put those people in breakout rooms so proud of all you. by myself so proud of you. at the beginning I was like hey just a heads up in case I knock all of you out which is possible please rejoin yep please come back in it was not intentional I'm just not good at technology yet oh that's so good I think that's with anything right like when we think there's something that we're approaching that seems insurmountable right as soon as we break it into these little chunks of something that we can't accomplish it makes so much more sense right like you know I'm working on that in my own life like these little tiny chunks of what can be done and it makes me think of and I know you never watched friends but I'm going to give drop a friends reference here so when Chandler is about to marry Monica he hears something that makes him kind of freak out um, about the fact that they might be getting married he hears this conversation and someone talks about how she's pregnant she's not actually pregnant but he like gets all freaked out and is ready to like bolt and so Ross and Phoebe like walk him through and say okay pretend you're not getting married today right how about what's the first thing you need to do take a shower can you take a shower you can take a shower so he takes the shower right and then the next is like can you get dressed you can get dressed right like breaks the day into these little chunks of what can be accomplished that are all on the path for this long-term goal but seem much more reasonable and much more doable um, even though they are getting you to that end goal but when we have this huge mountain in front of us of this massive life change or these big goals that we think we can't do right it seems too far away that we like tap out we're like i can't do that right but as soon as we break it up into little pieces of what is feasible it does help us get there so you You'll have to check in with us after your 14er because I know you'll be great. <laughs> I hope I will be. Um, also, I just am amazed at how fantastic Platte River State Park is for prepping me for this because they have great trails and they are very, um, lots of steep trails, lots of challenge to that. So I'm prepping there. I wanted to mention um, 
I had a conversation with Sue today and she gave me a phrase that I really like that you just reminded me of, um, brave enough. Hmm. So when you think about taking those big goals or those big challenges and you breaking, when you break them down, can I be brave enough for today to try this? That's good. Can I be brave enough to say yes to this new challenge or this new opportunity? Can I be brave enough? So taking the word brave and even shifting that into brave enough. Mm-hmm. I really liked that. I, um, I jotted it down and it just came to me as you were mentioning that. So it's going to require me to be brave enough to say, yes, I will try. Yeah, that's good. It's good. It's all and about relative. It's it. all about what you're comparing and having realistic comparison points, right? Our mind tends to go to these insane comparison points to say, okay, I don't make enough money, right? But that's because you're comparing it to people you see on social media that are, or people that you see in your life that just make an uber amount, right? But if you almost like downward compare, and this is a concept I learned from that Yo Wellbeing course that I did, like it's all about like your level of well-being can be shifted if you're comparing in a way where it's actually comparable comparison people that are maybe in the same age range that you are so they have the same amount of work experience um, people that are in the same kind of role that you are the same educational background or even slightly downward comparing um, not in a way that puts the person or the whatever you're comparing to down but in a way that allows you to think better about your circumstances rather than trying to always compare up because you're always going to think then you have less than you need um, you're going to become discontented with wherever you're at um, all sorts of like negative ramifications of kind of always comparing to things that are really unreachable so circling back to what you shared about what was a demonstration or what was a picture of wealth mm-hmm. those images were shattered when I started to realize that they weren't reflections of what kind of wealth mattered to me. Yeah, And to me, wealth is never about money. It's about abundance. And what does abundance mean or what does abundance look like has very little to do with those things that I pictured as a kid Mm -hmm. as demonstrating abundance or wealth. That's good. Um, so you'll never see me with fancy, big, large jewelry. jewelry. Yeah. Um, because it, it just it isn't an indicator for me of status. or um, And what I learned is that it, that didn't always mean that. So these things that I assumed were, you know, the ice maker or whatever that mm-hmm. is. I came to learn that abundance is really about getting your needs met. So for some people, maybe it is having the automatic ice maker and that's Mm -hmm. a really big need. Um, Or maybe it's the avocado fridge or maybe it's um, the brick house. Mm -hmm. But for me, what I came to understand, and it took me a while, many years, not just stepping out of adolescence or stepping out of childhood, was that there's a big, big difference between wealth and abundance. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's good. Oh, man. Good combo. I love it. It always is. It always is. <laughs> we always do it. We never know where it's going to go, but it always is good. Oh, man. Oh, what else do we want to talk about? What else do we want to leave people with? Um, we talked about sharing what I do with Lauren and Sean, and I mm-hmm. encourage people to do the best and the silliest and a strength and what you're grateful for. 
So how about getting back into that practice, which I think we can do with anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I am headed to Colorado to spend some time with, um, what I consider family, um, and getting out and doing a practice, a little bit of a practice hike, but just getting away for a little bit. Um, so I would say we do a best, a silliest, a strength, a grateful and a next. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So the best part, are we going to do a week? We're talking about week or day? Either one. The best part of my week from the last seven days, I have been massively productive. And my achiever has just like, boom, checked into high gear. Last week, I had something every single day that I ended the day with like a, yes, I got it done. Got that done. Check it off the list. Um, Like, I really rejoice. I know you can't see this, but I really rejoice in checking things off the list last week. It was pretty powerful. That was the best part of my week, feeling a sense of accomplishment. Silliest part of my week last week, I'm telling you, I know know that TikTok's a bad thing. I'm reading all the articles about how they're taking all my privacy. And actually, what they probably would see is that I love the videos of animals and how animals respond to situations. So there is a a thread of, um, this song. So I, I'm still learning how it works. So there's a song that gets like repeated, 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 repeated because everybody like recreates their TikTok around this. Okay. So the song that I prefer right now is this song where this girl sings, do you want to fight? <laughs> Do you want to catch these hands? So it's about, it's, it's really not appropriate, but it's about fighting. But the videos that people craft are like these two cats going to war. You know, like they start to dance around each other and then the music comes on. Do you want to fight? There's a chicken in one video where the chicken goes crazy in its reflection in the mirror. I'm telling you, Tess, I laughed so hard. Then there's another Lauren's favorite is this dog. And the meme says, or the language says when your life is completely falling apart, but your favorite song comes on the radio and it's this dog. that's just so Lauren and I just send them back and forth. I mean, I'm never going to create a tech talk, but she sends them back and forth and I just cry laughing. And sometimes she'll call me and, and FaceTime me and say, Open that TikTok right now so I can see how you react. Um, Oh, my God. Those are the silliest. Um, And then a strength that I've been using for sure is Achiever, which is my number six. But it this time of year Mm -hmm. tends to go right up to number one. Something that I'm grateful for is um, honestly to be able to be in nature. Um, to take time to hike and how much that grounds me and, and reconnects me. So I'm, I'm grateful for that, even though it's been warmer, it's been really, really good for me to be reconnected in nature and what I'm looking forward to next or what my next great thing that I'm looking forward to is Colorado. Woohoo! Colorado. Colorado. Cool. Your cool. turn. Okay. Um, I was looking back through my last seven days to just have a concept of time because we know how elusive that is right now. (laughs) Um, So I would say um, the best um, part, actually in the silliest part, go together. Is that okay? I'm breaking the rules. Um, 
my best and my silliest are the same event occurrence. Um, my friend Claudia and I get together every once in a while um, to just grab drinks. She's in law school. She's going into her third year of law school at UNL, um, and she lived for a year in New York, lived for a year in D.C. Um, we met when we were in undergrad together. We were in the same sorority, and we called ourselves like um, – sub-level execs because there was this whole executive team that ran the sorority and they were like ordered like in case of emergency within the sorority there was like the president and then everyone else was named the vice president but there were like seven vice presidents so there was an order to them and we were the second to last and the last vice presidents just based on our roles so we called ourselves like not quite actually exec executive team members right just like she was communications i did the event planning and so it was just like we were like those execs at the back of the executive line you know so we always joked about that how we bonded over the fact that we were like in case of an emergency it's like it's like um as if we're like the um you know like the hhs hhs director in the federal government if the vice the president (laughs) was gone vice president like senate majority you know sir speaker of the house like you go through the whole list of in case of emergency within the federal government it was like that so we always joked about that but anyway so i got to spend time with her on saturday she had texted me and said she's going to be in Omaha. Her family is from here, so she lets me know when she's in the area. Um, and so that was totally the best part. I spent several, quite a few hours over there. The silliest part was because of my concept of time, I did not register the date that it was. And she's also a two, so she is in Enneagram. So she has a hard time advocating for herself. It was her birthday. And she wanted to spend time with someone, but she didn't tell me. She just asked me over for drinks. <laughs> and- And then I realized like the morning of, because I know what her birthday is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's July 11th. It's her birthday. She's inviting me to spend time with her on her birthday. And she didn't tell me. So I had to berate her a little bit. And I'm like, advocate for yourself. Tell me that you like want to do fun things on your birthday. And so I was able to scrounge together a gift. Um, I'd already planned to bring over like the wine and stuff for us to drink. So it worked out well. But anyway, I just thought that was so silly. Like that never passes my mind, but it's also like my type is a little different my strengths are a little different where I'm like if I if it's my birthday and I want to hang out with people I'll say hey it's my birthday I want to hang out with you right like but she didn't want to like impose but she wanted to spend time with me on her birthday so I felt duly honored and mad at her for not telling me (laughs) (laughs) um so I would say a strength in action gosh I'm using so many strengths right now but I think the biggest one is strategic Um, trying to wrap up this mess of a spring semester and figure out how to report change within young people that we're serving is just insane. And everyone is at such, I feel like there's always coordinators and districts who are at kind of bookends of people who get their data in right away. Like everything is good. It's solid. We're good to go. And then people who were chasing down until December for their spring data, right? That was due May 15th. But I feel like those bookends have been pushed out even further, like to more extreme. So we're dealing with people who are way good and way gone. We're dealing with a ton of people in the middle who like can't report visits yet or like some grades, not a lot of attendance, maybe some behavior. Like it just feels like more of a mess than ever. And that's really hard um, to try and put together dashboards to present in a week and a half to people, you know, so it's just been a little bit more of a mess. Um, So in terms of that, I am grateful. I've had been carving out on my own, but also a little bit of forced mental break time um, where I'm not at my phone, um, I'm not at my desk. And so that's been really, really nice. Um, And I'm really grateful for moments of just needing to step back and take a break from it. 
the semester itself has been chaotic, but the fact that I also don't have a lot of separation between work and my other life, just living in 700 square feet and you get that and not having a separate office that I can close my door to means I'm much more tempted to work at all hours because it's just right here, right? Um, Yeah, so anyway. And there are pros and cons to that. Like I love that I can just work whenever sometimes because right now I am wearing Nike shorts and a XXL t-shirt and a baseball cap and I haven't put on makeup in 24 hours. So there are some really great benefits to working from home (laughs) all the time, Um, but also some drawbacks um, when it comes to good boundaries and balance. Um, And then the thing I'm looking forward to next, that's the next part, Um, as As much as it's not going to be a clean break like it traditionally is, I'm still looking forward to wrapping up the majority of dashboards. There are a lot that I'm going to have to follow up with, um, a lot that are going to be extended out even further than they normally are just because districts haven't been able to report data back to us. But there will be a large chunk of people that I can say, check mark, we're done, we're satisfied in terms of all of your 2019-2020 chapter program dashboard. So, and that's really good. Unfortunately, it's not as clean of a check mark for me to because normally it's like 90% and it might be more like 70% of chapters will be done, but it's still a little bit of a, a marking of time for me just in any Um, every single year it's a marking of time as almost me mentally transitioning from the prior school year to the next school year well and I just think of how what a challenge that is for you because of the integrity Mm -hmm. that you (laughs) always bring to Mm -hmm. to data so how much meaning that will have for you to say yes this chapter's dashboard is done but also deep down I know that you want to be able to do the overall Mm -hmm. annual reporting and not having some of those pieces in place has to be really bumping up against your integrity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can only imagine that Yeah, because that makes it really challenging. And I know that you're also fascinated with what this year holds. Mm -hmm. What does this look like? What are the factors that contributed to, to some of those final numbers or some of those even initial um, findings? For sure. For sure. Hmm. I think that um, those are such good questions to ask people because it it not only dials into our strengths and having conversations around what is right, yeah. but it also helps us identify values mm-hmm. and identify some of what Gallup refers to as name claim aim. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, by asking what was the best, what was the silliest, what's a strength, what are you grateful, but then adding on that what and what's ahead. What are you looking forward to? Yep. Um, That's good. That name claim aim piece is always something I try to keep at the forefront when I'm thinking about how I use my strengths. But I do want to mention, um, if JC is listening, that I've been practicing writing down my 15 every morning. Um, I have a reminder on my phone right next to water my plants. And it says write down your strengths. And I do it every workday morning. I'm not doing it on the weekends, but I do workday mornings. And I successfully named my top 10 now thoroughly. But I'm getting closer to getting my 15. I keep messing up. Um, belief in developer. Belief in developer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's wow. so my strategic in the way that I memorize it. So when I get done with my 10, I go to 15 and work up. Huh. So I write down my top 10 because I know them fluently. And then I get to 10 and I go to 15, which is futuristic. Then responsibility. No. Yes. Then discipline. And then it gets, it gets fuzzy. 
<laughs> okay, no. that is interesting the way that you'd memorize that, your strategic. I'd say mine is through strategic a little bit too and context because I can name my top 10 directly off the bat. I start numbering at 11. So I'll name one through 10 in order and then I'll say number 11 is relator, 12 is achiever, 13 is self assurance, 14 arranger, 15 is positivity, 16 is developer, and go all the way down to 34. But I have to do it with the number or else I'll lose track and now I have numbered associations with each strength. So I have to write out all the numbers first. Ah. I write all the numbers one through 15 first. And you like fill them in? And then I fill them in. So sometimes you can go out of order. Not well, input communication, strategic woo, empathy. But then I start going, okay, now I have to think. Achiever, individualization, connectedness, positivity, learner. And then, then I'm like, 15. oh, it's 11. I'm wishy-washy. Like immediately my brain goes to, oh, you're not solid. So then I, d- I know what 15 is and I know what 14 is and I know what 13 is. So I go to what I feel confident about. Okay. And then work from there. Interesting. Wow, that's fascinating. Huh. I hope that JC is really proud of us and I mm-hmm. love that activity and I think it's such a great way to think about how will I name, claim, and aim my strengths when, before I start the day. Yeah. Hmm. I'm also finding that my discipline is just... <laughs> so I mean, much more I than I've ever wanted yoga. to <laughs> I have to do yoga every day. I have to, as I'm training and I have this goal in mind, my discipline serves me so well. Because I want the guilt of skipping a workout is like, okay, and you're going to do a 14er, remember, remember, (laughs) you're going to do that. So then I think, oh, I can't skip today. I can't skip today. And I have to stretch and I have to take care of my knee and I have to eat right and I have to take care of myself and get good sleep. That sounds so laborious. (laughs) Oh gosh, so not me. Discipline 34 over here. Alrighty. Okay. So in wrapping us up, I think we have three buckets of questions for people to take away. First, we need a poll on our theme song and our bitmoji. Let us know if we were to rebrand, how would you rebrand us? If you would like to donate marketing skills to us and rebrand for us, let us know. We'd be up for it. Um, Number two, Think about the several questions we posed about your upbringing or what life was like when you were young. So maybe based on your generation, based on your strengths, based on your family of origin, what was something you thought was an indicator of wealth um, that you saw in another family or a pattern, something that you thought was like the epitome of success within um, society when you were growing up? And kind of second fold along with that, what was something that was really formative about your growing up years? Um, What was it about your community that really impacted where you are today? Third bucket, do some of the great alleyisms questions. So best part of your day, silliest part of your day, strength in action, something you're grateful for, and a moment of nexting. What's coming up that you're excited about? How did you do that all from memory? Did I get it all? Oh, I just make these mental notes. (laughs) I was trying, I was like, did I get it all? Your face? No, it was like, okay, I got it all. Okay. That would be our moments of follow-up. I think my eyes unglaze, they roll back into my head and I just think through all that we talked about. I don't know how you do that. I just am in awe of it every time because I have to take notes. 
That's awesome. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, I'm going to wrap us up. However your brain works, right? This is also why when we ever doubt that I memorized by 34, like the week after I got it. Yep, that's just how my context works. And you're struggling to remember 11. So, <laughs> Oh, man. All righty. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to episode 73 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend. To interact with us and share the responses to the questions that we pose, follow us on Instagram at Jenna Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-L-M-I-L-L-I-E. Goodness gracious, I can't even spell. Oh, okay. Well, follow us. We'll be there. We're there somewhere. Or send us an email. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are exclusively that of Allison Horn and Tess Starman and may not reflect the views of Teammates Mentoring Program at large. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Until next time.